This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. Welcome into another edition of the Bar Conversations. It's a fun episode. Hopefully the weather's changing where you are, or maybe it was 20 degrees uh, like it was for me. Uh, just kick off my week. Um, we've got a great episode. We're talking with Kevin Patterson about spring beers. As you know, the season is kind of weird. It's not like some of the other ones where you kind of get those true seasonals. Uh, there's a lot of influx as spring and summer kind of all look alike. We'll talk to him about those. And in our conversation, we talked to Peyton Howie, a country artist with a lot of cool music out there, a cool story to share as well, especially on how she got into music or really that became uh, her career aspirations. It's a really fun one. Don't forget to, you can uh, listen to the Bar Conversations podcast on any of the podcast players out there. Just search Hop Spirits. You can also watch it on YouTube and Facebook. If you need a little help, go to hopspirits.com. But let's not waste any more time and let's get into the show. It's almost time. Where did I, where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for tasting notes. Joining us again for another Tasting Notes is Kevin Patterson. He's a Cicerone National Beer Judge. He's also the manager of the the Beer Trap Craft Beer Store and Bar in Lexington, Kentucky. Kevin, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Well, we always appreciate it. And, you know, last time we were talking about barrel-aged just about everything with you on, on Tasting Notes because it feels like that that's the trend these days and there's plenty of barrels out there. But, you know, the weather is hopefully warming up for, for, for the good now. And, you know, springtime is upon us and the summer hopefully right around the corner. So this is, a, I feel like, a time of year where the beer styles kind of change. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, you know, we leave the winter and go into spring? But unlike other seasons, I don't feel like spring really has a sit in stone beer style that you're all of a sudden going to start seeing. It's very much a season in transition. <clears throat> I know Every time you, know, you see a, a 55 degree day that's reasonably sunny, all of a sudden, you know, you're looking for the Hefeweizens, the Pilsners, the lighter IPAs, something a little bit more floral, something a little bit more fruity, a little more whimsical. Um, but Mother Nature usually has other ideas for spring, too. They're not all going to be sunny. They're not all going to be warm. And, you know, they're not all going to have you looking forward to those uh, those kind of days just yet. There's still some cold days, cold days deserving of a warmer weather or uh, kind of, a, 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 I guess, a warmer beer on the palate, warmer on the, on, the, on the throat, there's still room for porters and stouts and those big beers. Now, what we see through the holiday season getting into January is big focus on imperial stouts and some of your Belgian quads. But it seems like the spring has been a little bit more of a, a place, especially the early month. I consider spring to be you know March, April, and May. So March being the cold uh, month of, of spring, that's whenever you, you still see some big beers out. And you know, the, I guess people get fatigued a little bit with the, some of the stuff they've been drinking for the last couple of months. And so this is the time when you see some other big beers like barley wines really stand out. And with the religious implications of Lent, Easter, and those things coming around, the Doppelbach was traditionally developed for this season. So those are big malt-centric beers. You don't get more malty beers than Doppelbachs and barley wines. And this is the kind of year, time of year, whenever you see those starting to play out a little bit more, Bigfoot barley wine comes out, behemoth barley wine. You know, we're going to see more spot and optimators, uh, Anger Celebrators, Maximators by Augustiner. Those are some really formal brands. I know I had a Doppelbach, um, Amir Twin the other day, the warehouse Doppelbach, Doppelbach. 
Maybe I've had one to me, Doppelbox today. I don't know. <laughs> you started early, didn't you? <laughs> Words are hard. Words are hard. So we're not ready to leave behind those big beers just yet, but the styles do shift a little bit. Um, now, that does come along with some other you know, beers to kind of get a jump on the spring season. I don't know, Sam Adams, I think they come out with their seasonal beers right after New Year's. Um, so it seemed they get a really big push on all those seasonals. And you know, some people call that a seasonal creep. Uh, but I think that's always kind of happened, and I don't really see that uh, coming out any any earlier anymore. Um, I know we tease people like, oh, you got any spring beers? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the pumpkin else just came out. You're going to love these. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm kidding. But you know, they don't dismiss that. They think that could actually be true. But, you know, when we look at the spring beers, we are going to see more of your Bells and Blondes. We're going to see more of those Session IPAs. One of the things I think has been gaining steam last couple of years has been the hazy pale ale, uh, even done at a sessionable level. So you're looking at a pale ale done like a hazy IPA that's somewhere around four, four and a half percent alcohol. Uh, so I think that's going to be a big focus getting into the summer and to the spring. When you do start seeing those lighter beers like that come out, there's usually not a whole lot of transition between spring and summer. They're usually pretty homogenous at that point. But you will see those double box. You will see those uh, barley wines. They'll start to wane a little bit as the weather gets warmer and warmer. And people start choosing, you know, wheat beers, uh, even your pilsners. Yeah, I, I think one of the big trends this spring is going to be the really nice American-made pilsners uh, that's brewed in a pretty traditional German way. However, they're going to use American hops. Some of the new stuff like Citra, Nelson Sauvin, um, falconer's flight i think some of those hops are starting to make their way into pills they're making and one of the thing i like about those is most of the brewers that are attempting this are really really good at making those styles of beers anyway but this new hop does give it a new splash um, these beers are fresh because they don't come from another country they come from some places much more reasonable you can get them here within um, a couple of weeks or a couple of days you don't have to wait months on them and so i think that's going to give them a little bit of an edge moving forward into spring well, and I also feel like this is the time. I mean, nowadays beer styles kind of trans, you know, transcend their their seasons a little bit, uh, pending exactly, you know, some some are very specific. Um, but you know, is this also a time where we'll start to see some of those more fruit uh, forward flavors come out now that things are maybe coming back in season? Yeah, it's. I feel a little bit ridiculous by even saying, oh, the sours are coming back and they're going to be fruity. Well, guess what? <laughs> they've been back and they've been fruity all winter, all fall. They haven't gone anywhere. And I think that's one of the cool things about most places we drink anymore. It doesn't matter what the weather's like outside. When we're inside, it's 68, it's 70 degrees. Um, so you can drink whatever you want. You know, spring's coming up, but those stouts aren't going anywhere. They're going to be around. Uh, we just got in a big stout from Founders. Um Anymore, there's enough of a beer drinker where you can find justification to drink any style you want, any time of the year. Uh, we beers, them, they stay on tap year-round for us. Uh, Pilsners, they stay on tap year-round for us because there's an audience for that. So maybe when you first come in, you know, after a nice spring day, you're like, oh, it's kind of nice. I just got finished with this walk. Let me get a nice spring beer. But then after that, you can sort of chase your palate a little bit. You don't have to be stuck with seasonals if you don't want to be. Uh, you can go for that big beer. You can go for a big IPA. You can do whatever you want after that. Well, Kevin, I appreciate the knowledge as always. And as we say, you know, drink what you like, how you like it. <laughs> exactly. Well, once I sell it, it's your beer. Do what you want. <laughs> Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at HopsSpirits.com.
Joining us here on the Bar Conversations is country artist, and her debut EP, Young Blood, is out now. Peyton Howie. Peyton, welcome in. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm glad we could can make this happen, and I appreciate you working working us in to, to have a little fun and a, a little conversation. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Now, I, I usually ask this question because this is the Hops and Spirits, and it's a bar conversation. So normally, you know, most of my guests are drinking something maybe a little harder, like a rye whiskey like myself, but I know you're not of age yet, so I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm just going to open up with this okay. question. What's a favorite guilty pleasure drink of yours that's non-alcoholic? Ah, uh, man. So I love any kind of energy drink, like, and I know they're totally bad for you, but when I'm not playing music or uh, writing or anything music related, I'm probably in the gym. And um, so, you know, you got to get that pre-workout in, you know what I'm saying? And I'm usually working out like anyone that follows my social media. I'm always working out at like two in the morning. So, so you gotta, you gotta need, you need a little energy boost so you can stay. Oh yeah, for sure. I love bang or rain. Like those are my top two favorites for sure. I was going to say, I mean, between music and then trying to, you know, stay healthy, I'm sure those are two almost like full-time jobs with everything that goes on in, in your life. Cause I feel like the hours are just going to be crazy no matter what. Oh, for sure. But even if I didn't, even if my schedule was clear, I'd still be drinking them because I like them. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. I said mine's a, a, a Coke Zero. Um, I, I have a problem. I'm cutting back, but I still have a problem. And uh, uh, and truthfully, my my guilty pleasure drink is a cheap whiskey and Coke. But tonight I went with a little little bit uh, classier. Well, I don't know if I call it classier. Bespoken Spirits Rye. They they do some fun things uh, as All far right, as cool. spirits go. Um, they do a kind of rapid aging, and they're the only one that's ever done it right in my my book, and doesn't taste bad. But we're here to talk music, so I, I figure my my first question will be a fun one because I'm guessing this is true because I, I've read it a few places. But did your love of music start when you got pulled up on stage at a Carrie Underwood concert at age five? Well, um, I wouldn't say it started there, but it definitely sparked my desire to uh, want to do music you know, like pursue it as a career because I mean, I've always loved music and I'm sure even if I was, you know, I don't know, had terrible stage fright or didn't want to sing on stage, I'd still be like sitting in my room playing, playing songs and stuff like that. Cause I just love it. It's in me, but, um, yeah, definitely the whole Carrie Underwood experience when I was five, she brought me up on stage at a concert. Um, and it was my first concert, you know? So it's like, it's kind of like a double whammy, you know? Cause I mean, I think everyone remembers their first concert, like, you never forget it. And even, even if you've been to a million concerts, whenever you go to like a live, you know, just music event like that, it just, you walk away just so happy. And, you know, there's just that feeling. You never forget it, you know, like driving home at like 3 a.m. and you're going to stop by IHOP or Waffle House or whatever on the way home. Just like, it's just the best experience. So for me, uh, having Karen would be my first concert and she brought me up on stage during it, like, just the feeling of getting to stand on a stage and feeling the music under your feet and getting to look out and see like all these people, you know, coming together that don't know each other just for like one universal thing. And that's music. And I just, I love that. And that's kind of what uh, sparked my desire to um, want to pursue it as a career. But um, yeah, so I guess in a way, kind of, yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm guessing then like even when you were even younger than that, a toddler, like I'm kind of in the background. I have my toddler, my toddler, my three-year-old daughter, who's in bed just cranking out tunes because that's just what she does before she falls asleep. Is that kind of oh, how yeah. you were just singing around around the house and and everything, just a love of music? 
Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, honestly, that's kind of why we ended up at that concert anyways, because when she was, well, when she put out her Some Hearts album, I remember I'd be sitting in my car seat in my, in my mom's car and she'd be blasting that Some Hearts record. And still to that, to, to this day, that's my favorite uh, album she's put out is that Some Hearts record. And it was on her Some Hearts tour that we went to. So um, yeah, I, I've always been that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm still like that, you know, like I, I'm playing music all the time and I'm singing and just all around the house. And my brother's like, shut up. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's just kind of, and I think musicians are like that, you know, it's just who they are. It's just in them and you can't take it out. And nothing, nothing wrong with that. And I'm hopeful for my daughter that she can carry a tune better than I can. Cause you did, you'll just run away if you hear me sing. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so we're hopeful. We're, we're, we're very hopeful. Uh, but you, you talked about this too, like, you know, that kind of sparked, you know, being on stage, getting to dance and sing, sing with Carrie kind of sparked it. But when did you kind of go, okay, this is something that I, I want to pursue as a career. Cause it's one thing to be a, that to be the dream goal or, or whatever, but it's another to actually take that next step and go, I want to start playing gigs. I want to start actually recording things, doing things like that. Yeah. So uh, my whole life I've, you know, played softball, um, since I was, I would say, you know, about five, I was playing softball and my goal was, I want to get a college scholarship. I want to play ball in college. And, um, when I graduated high school, you know, I got my scholarship and I went off to school to play ball and I was loving it. You know, I was a full-time student, full-time athlete, and I was a full-time musician because I started playing guitar and playing shows around my hometown when I was about 15, 16 years old. When I went off to college, I'd be in school, um, and then I'd, you know, be on the on the softball team, and then for on the weekends I'd fly home and play shows, and I mean that was the life, honestly. Like I'm not even complaining. Like that was everything that I loved to do, and I was getting to do all of it. And I remember when I was doing that in college, my I was, you know, people I get the question a lot, like, what did your parents like say? And uh, they were super supportive. You know, like if you can do everything you love, why not just do it for as long as you can. And I knew, of course, it was going to come to an end because, you know, there ain't no major league softball. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know, so, so it had to come to an end. You know, I was going to graduate college and stuff. So um, that's what they said. And so that's what I was doing um, for my first year. And then uh, I put out my first two singles, Catch Flights and F-150. And things were going really well. Um, and it just kind of got to the point where I had to, you know, make a decision to either pursue music full time because at that age I was I believe I was at that point I was uh 18 I think I just turned 18 and um it was kind of like okay this is prime time for me either I pursue music full-time or you know just drop it because you know it was it was hard I'd be I'd be like flying in Monday mornings at 3 a.m going to sleep and then having 8 a.m's in the morning or whatever you know and so I had to pick one and so uh, I uh, switched all my studies to online and decided to pursue my degree that way. And I uh, quit playing softball. And um, then I started pursuing music like full time. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to give up the one thing that I've worked for my whole life to pursue this dream of music, like I better give it my all. Like I'm not going to just like half bake this thing, you know, like I'm going to try real hard. And um that was probably one of the hardest decisions I've had to make up until this point. And I don't regret it because interestingly enough, like when COVID hit, my whole team pretty much stopped playing anyway. So like the girls that were, you know, 
playing on the team that were my age, my graduating class, they pretty much like, I would say they missed almost about a year and a half of their season. So I was like, hey, I mean, I didn't miss that much anyway, but uh, long story short, um, I finished my degree and I'm uh, getting it in May. So I'm, I'm done now. Well, con- congrats on that. And I was, I was going to say, I mean, it's pretty awesome. I mean, uh, reading up, you know, getting a D- Division Two scholarship to play softball is, is pretty impressive. And, and, I mean, I'm guessing you have to – that had to be tough because if you grew up playing sports your, your whole life, I'm sure that was tough to just say, hey, I'm done. I, I'm guessing, do you miss it? Do you ever get get out the old glove and just kind of th- throw, throw, throw the ball around, so to speak? Oh, no. I mean, I remember my last game um, – Oh my gosh. I remember my last game, my last at bat, it was like, and I feel anyone that plays sports knows this, like the an athlete's biggest fear is like their last game, like their last at bat or, or whatever, the last match, whatever it is your sport you're playing. And I remember my last at bat thinking like, Oh my gosh, like imagine if I struck out, that would suck so <laughs> bad. They're like, well, you know, better stick to music. But no, um, my last at bat was a home run. It was a triple with an overthrow and it turned into a home run. I was like, cool, let's just end it there. Like I'm good with that. <laughs> so I remember that and I, um, I was a catcher. So I, you know, put all my gear away and I put it back, you know, put it in my bag and, um, man, I brought it back with me when I, when I drove home from college and, I still have not opened it. So I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. Um, <laughs> there's some baggers there that I've not yet unpacked. <laughs> but yeah, I miss it a lot. I do. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a lot of memories and camaraderie with, with, with teams, especially, you know, uh, you know, the actual team sport, sports as well. Now, you know, you grew up in, in California and Texas. Is that correct? Is that kind of how, how it went? Yeah, well, I was born and raised in California, and um, my family moved out to Texas, I would say, um, probably about March, April of 2020, and I've been playing shows out in Texas for a while now, and it's just, the music scene is insane. Uh, I got my start out in California, and um, now I'm splitting time in Nashville. I got a place out there, so I'm doing um, some, you know, rounds out there, writing, recording, all the business out in Nashville, and... um, playing shows actually all over the country now but um you know when you know 2020 was a thing I was playing a lot of shows in Texas so um I grew up in California but I've been in uh, Texas for say about the last two years I was gonna say I mean growing up in California and and, and then even just you know now being in Texas how, how does you know those places impact just you and and kind of you know how or influence you know the music that you do yeah well California I mean Growing up out there, there's not like a very, hmm, what's the word, like deep country scene, I guess I would say. There is definitely some, you know, very talented country artists out in California and I'm friends with a lot of them. Um, But where I grew up specifically, you know, it was more rock, uh, blues kind of vibe. And um, that definitely had an impact on the music that I listened to growing up. And so that's why I feel like a lot of the country music that I put out um, has a little bit of a rock edge to it because, you know, country, that's country kind of came from, you know, like that, that whole vibe and rock kind of came from that whole vibe too. Like, you know, it's just, they're, they kind of go hand in hand country and rock music. Like I love it. So uh, I definitely am grateful for growing up a little bit out there and having that rock influence um, in my music a little bit. And then Texas, uh, I always kind of thought like I knew, you know, Texas country, like I know it's a thing. I've always known it's a thing, but like being in Texas and just, it is just a whole new world, like red dirt country, Texas country. It's just a whole 
whole different thing. And while I absolutely love, you know, California and I love Nashville too, being out there, um, like about half my time now, I will say that Texas has a, a rare kind of appreciation for music that is like just so interesting. You know, there's like almost any show I've played, you know, um, every now and then, you know, we'll play some covers and, and sometimes people will be like, oh, you know, like, I just, I love the stuff that you wrote. Like, I love your original stuff. And a lot of times you don't hear that, you know, and that's like the cool thing is that I've noticed that's kind of rare about uh, the Texas music scene is just like original music trumps all even as like an up and comer where the majority of you know up and comers start out playing covers. Well, and, and you know, you talk about your, your style of music, kind of that you got a little bit of a rock player. I'd, I'd say you bring a little bit of attitude to the stage. I mean, is that kind of how you would describe your, your music a little bit of kind of a cross between maybe a few genres that, that lands in, in the country lane, so to speak? A little bit. Yeah. I definitely would say I love that traditional country sound and like with one of the songs on my EP country before me, I really wanted to bring that traditional country, um, you know, highlighting that steel guitar. And like, I love that. And, you know, I never want to, um, have that be something that I take out of my, my music, my sound. I never want to take that traditional part out of it, but I definitely love rock and I love getting to integrate some of those instrument, like instruments and sounds into my music too. Well, I mean, you, you touched on it. I, I was going to get to that here in a, in a little bit, but you know, the single country before me. What what was that like for you? Because that's kind of an ode to some of the the, um, the female country artists that that came you know before you and probably impacted you. What was it like to to pick that song, to write that song, and and just um, end up recording it? Yeah, so that was a song I wrote. That one with Eric Halbig and Michael Austin and Joanna Yeager out in Nashville, and um, I have this just major love and appreciation for the traditional women in country music that have, you know, gone before me and paved the way like Loretta Lynn, Dolly and Reba, like, you know, they've gone before and they've had to walk this road that many female artists like in my, you know, generation, we don't have to face a lot of the things that they've had to face. Some of them we do, but like they went before and they kind of made the industry into something new for us to be able to be out there creating art and singing songs we've written and even like standing on stages or going on tour like without them doing what they did in their careers and the timeline especially like you look back at their their stories and just how they grew up and came into the industry and um changed it for the better you know so that's kind of how country before me was born and um, i really wanted to pay them that homage and respect in that song well, and, and you put out your debut EP uh, back in February, Young Blood. Uh, can you talk a little bit about about that and what it was like to actually put together, a, you know, an, an EP? Which I mean, I know it's not a full album, but I mean, there's still a, a decent amount of songs that that you got to come come together with and, and and put out. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's crazy to think about. I remember being a kid, like sitting in my room, uh, recording songs on, you know, like my computer or whatever, and thinking, like, man, it'd be so cool to have a song out, you know. And now it's like oh my gosh, I just put out an EP. Like, I, I didn't even know what an EP was back then. Like, you know, it's just cool to think about uh, getting to put out a collection. You know, I've put out singles before, but it's interesting just, you know, the feeling of getting to put out a five-song collection for people to listen to. Um, and Youngblood is just like, it's it's weird how it all came together because it wasn't meant to be this way, you know. I've done a ton of co-writes and uh, probably some of the best ones I've ever done, you know, were put on that EP with Eric Halbig and Michael Austin and Joe Yeager. Like, we were all just writing about um, things that I felt, you know, I was like, I brought to them, like, hey, I, I want to write about this. Like, or I'd have like this one liner, like, you know, I, I really want to uh, 
you know, highlight this or I want to talk about this. And once we put the whole project together, I took a step back and looked at it. And it was like, to me, it felt like each song was a different piece of who I, who I am as an artist and like the things that, um, you know, I care about and the message that I want to put out to the world. Like, you know, I love my country and I'm, I'm grateful for the people that are out there fighting for our freedom. You know, that's freedom and country before me. I'm grateful for the women in traditional music and, um, you know, my rock influence is in there a little bit and all, you know, all the rest. Well, I mean, when, when you were coming up with the, even just the, the name of, of the album, I mean, how did you settle on, on young blood and, and does that have a meaning for you or, or is that just something that you just liked and it's, and it stuck? Yeah. So, uh, growing up out in California, I got my start playing shows around my hometown or, or like, you know, they'd have open mics and stuff. And, um, I grew up in, um, like Temecula, California. I don't even, anyone knows where that's at, but, nope. um, <laughs> at least I don't, I don't. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, it's all right. Um, they have an old town and in that old town, they've got like this music scene and it's just this group of musicians and they're all like super talented and talented and seasoned musicians. And, um, I was always the youngest one going in there and I would just like sit at their feet and watch them play. And they'd like, they were, you know, turning me on to songs like, oh, hey, Bobby McGee or hey, you know, Edge of 17, you know, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie, Nick, like all this like stuff that was like, you know, I, I, at the time being 15, 16 years old, like that wasn't what I was listening to. And, and like, you know, having their influence and stuff, like and getting to be around them and teach me what it was to be a real artist. You know, we do writers nights and stuff. And um, they nicknamed me Youngblood. Cause I was always hanging around, like just like learning and I'd go like, Oh, Hey guys, this is a new song I learned or here's some new songs I wrote. So, um, when I finished the EP before I put it out, I went back home and I, um, I went and I shared with them these songs that I wrote on the EP. And I remember there was one guy specifically, his name was John and he used to always, Oh, Hey, young blood. And he used to always call me that. And so I remember when I told him, Hey, I'm calling the EP young blood. Cause that was always the nickname that they, they had for me out there back in my hometown. Uh, I, I love that and, and tying it into just kind of the, the influences al along the way. And, and like you said, the album is a, a lot um, of, of, of you, you know, when, when you're coming up with songs and, and writing songs, I mean, whether it's, you know, you're going solo or, or co-writing, what, what are you pulling from? Is it just an idea, personal experiences, a little, little bit of both when, when you're trying to come up with a song? It's a little bit of everything I'd say, you know, um, like certain songs like uh, country before me, you know, I'll use as a good example was like, I knew that I wanted to write about, you know, specifically the traditional women in country music. Like there was no doubt about, you know, that. And uh, we just, you know, started writing that song. And I remember, you know, especially that second verse, we were just throwing out song titles of, um, you know, from women that had just like changed the industry. And, you know, we were throwing out song titles here and there. And we just ended up like, oh, those roots run deep in the in the country before me. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're going to write a song called Country Before Me. And then we started like, you know, it just happened. And then, um or like never go home. I would say never go home. We were all just sitting around like talking about the good old days back in before 2020, where we were all just able to hang out and, you know, party with our family and friends and not have to worry about what anyone was telling us to do. And so uh, that's kind of what never, never go home came from. And so it's, it's all different, you know, life experiences and um, little hooks and stuff like that. Well, I mean, speaking of, of Never Go Home, I, I think that would be your, your most popular song that you got to, that you've released so far. What, how did that one come about and how much fun was it kind of being able to record it and then even do the music video for it? It was a blast, you know, and I think it's, 
an interesting thing as a songwriter when you know you pour your heart out into every song that you write and um I definitely poured my heart out into Never Go Home because like that's you know definitely one thing that I love to do is just be with my my, my friends and my family and just like you know having a good time like I'm, I'm always down for a party you know what I'm saying so um that was just kind of the feeling behind it but it was never like oh my gosh this song like this is the song like I, I mean I was never thinking that I just put it out there because I was like yeah like I, I love to party you know and I guess everyone feels the same way so that's how it ended up being my most popular song I guess and plus I think everyone was tired of you know being told oh stay home this and stay home that and so that's just I feel like everyone was kind of done with it and that's kind of the attitude behind Never Go Home. And um, that's you know, what ended up happening with the music videos. We were out on uh, Percy Priest Lake in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it's called Hole in the Wall Island. And we just pulled up with some boats. We threw a party and invited a cameraman. And it was a blast. Well, sometimes things just work. Timing is just right. And then uh, I think, too, other times things are just personal because you wrote F-150. And I believe you drive an F-150. Is that do, like how, yeah. how that that is? So like you're actually living the, the life as well? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, being kind of younger, what's it, it like to kind of find your voice? Because it seems like you're able to kind of put yourself in these songs. And, you know, not, not everyone gets to maybe do that right away or, or finds their footing right away. What's it been like for you to kind of find your your, your lane and kind of your, your voice and what you want to actually, you know, put out there? You know, I feel like that's something that I've um, learned as I've grown as a songwriter. I mean, as an artist, you know, I, I think a lot of people, sometimes they feel like, you know, oh, I, I'm trying to find my place in the world. You know, I'm trying to find um, my calling or whatever it is. You know, I'm trying to find what it is that I want to do. Like, I think everyone goes through that at some point in their life. And um, I remember when I first started, like, playing music, even just because I enjoyed it and expressing myself with music, I never really felt the kind of, um, I don't, I don't even know what the word I would use is. Like you, you could just be yourself. You didn't have to like, yeah, I, it's never felt or... so right. You know, it's just that, you know, when you're doing something and you're like, it just feels natural. It feels like that was what I was supposed to do. And, you know, and I, I mean, I'm grateful for the fact that I've found what I feel like, you know, I want to do forever. And, and whether it's like, whether I'm the one writing and recording and putting out these songs or I'm just writing songs and for other people or whatever I'm doing, I don't care. I know, I know no matter what I do, I always want to do something with music. And, um, I've just been lucky enough to just meet some amazing people that have, you know, taken me under their wing and, and taught me what it means to be an artist and taught me what it means to like write a song from your heart and not just like, Oh, what would sound good on a shirt? You know, like, I've just been really lucky to meet those right people and to, you know, cross paths with some just amazing talent. And so um, I think that combined has just really helped me to find like where I want to go as an artist. Well, you're definitely authentic. And I think that says something in this day and age of music and being true to oneself. Um, your songs have also been able to you know be featured on things like Spotify's um, couple of their country lists, you know, some, some bigger lists that you're on there with some big name artists that have been doing this for a while. What's that, what was that like when you started to see your, your stuff pop up on those type of lists, like, Hey, next from Nashville or, or, you know, new finds, things like that. That was, well, honestly, it was crazy. I remember like wanting that for such a long time and wanting to, um, you know, get those songs playlisted for sure. And, um, it's, it's just really cool when you get to like write a song and then share it with people. 
and you have no idea who they are. And it's just such a weird feeling because I know, and, and other artists might relate to this, when you get on the Spotify for artists, you know, uh, app or whatever, you can see like how many people are listening to your music and you can see like where they're listening to your music. And it's even weird. Like I remember even like last week, like seeing that people like in the Ukraine are listening to my music like right now. And it's just weird to think that, like, you know, like with everything that's going on in the world and whether they're listening to Never Go Home or they're listening to Freedom. Like, you know, like it's just a weird thing to think about, like the fact that you're being you have the ability and you have the platform as an artist and a songwriter to be out there touching people and Spotify has done a great job of allowing even up and coming artists and big name artists to kind of be on the same playing field uh, of, of sharing music with everyone. Well, I was going to say, I mean, a long time ago, radio, it was probably hard to break into, but now with Spotify, you folks can, can find, find artists that they truly connect with. And, and it, it's awesome to, to hear that, that it's all, you're going, you've gone global and, you know, you put out the EP at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, you put out a few singles. Um, a few. What, what can we expect? A full length album at some point, or some some more singles down the road? What, what's kind of next that, that you're allowed to tell me, since this is yeah. recorded? <laughs> All right. Well, for sure, I have a new single coming very, very, very soon, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, probably one of the most personal songs I've ever written, and um, I'm really looking forward to that one. And there's definitely gonna be a music video with it too. And then I have a um a few more songs that I'm dropping this year as well awesome so so working slowly toward the the full length album then i'm guessing just slow uh, I, rolling yeah, it <laughs> i would love that for sure yeah and then i you know i mean i guess that my, my last question for you is what can folks expect for you um this year more tours going on tour shows things like that yeah i'm currently on my young blood tour so i have my tour dates posted on my website uh peytonhowie.com p-a-y-t-o-n and I, um, I'm going, I'm hitting a lot of states. I'm having a couple of really cool shows coming up. I'm playing a show with Warren Ziders on, uh, April 22nd. Um, nice. I'm going to be at, uh, Round Rock Amphitheater on April 30th. I'm going to be, um, I'm opening up for Clay Walker. Um, and then I'm opening up for, uh, Gary Allen on April 9th. Um, and then I'll be up in, uh, Dallas at AT&T Stadium on May 7th too. It sounds like some some fun shows and some some really some other up and coming with with Warren and then some some yeah, you know, older yeah. big names uh, there as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. I'm really looking forward. He's like he's a total beast. I can't wait to like meet him. <laughs> well, I was gonna say. I mean, it's cool to see see you get to to play with all, all kinds and and get to share the stage with those. And, and like she said, PeytonHowie.com, P-A-Y-T-O-N, and you can also find her on social media because of, of course she just gave a great tease that a new single is coming here soon, so you don't want to miss that. Peyton, this was an absolute blast, and I, and I appreciate you uh, you know sharing a, a drink and some uh, a good conversation with me. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. <laughs>